Good morning, Radiate. Happy Easter, man. We're so glad that you're with us today. What an amazing uh, week we've had uh, through Holy Week and a day it's been already today. Uh, I hope your children enjoyed some Easter eggs and some Easter bunny stuff and all kinds of amazing things. We are here today. It's going to be such a fun, fun day. It already has been with worship and with everything that's going on. I hope you got to join us Thursday night for our communion uh, that we did together. If not, you can go back and watch that and still do it. It's okay. Uh, but we are so pumped that you are here on Easter Sunday. Listen, this is the biggest time of the year for churches, man. We celebrate. I don't want to come in here. I don't want it to feel somber. I know things are different. It feels different. It looks different. It acts different. I understand all of that, but here's the truth. The tomb is still empty today. It doesn't matter what's happening in the world. It doesn't matter the things that you're going through. I've been to the tomb. I've taken communion at the tomb, and it is empty. I'm here to tell you, Jesus is not in there. Jesus is in at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and for me, and his spirit is, is with each and every one of us where we are. He's with me here, and he's with you there, and I'm so pumped that you're with us to celebrate Easter today. Hey, listen, you can go ahead and turn in or on your Bibles to Luke chapter 24. Uh, we're going to take some notes today and we're going to get into Easter and what it looks like and what it means. And we're just going to have a blast as we talk about the love of Jesus, the victory of Jesus, uh, and, the, and, and just the grace of our Father, man. I, I'm so excited. If you're out there today and, and you have kids, right, you're going to understand what I'm about to say. So I have three kids, if you don't know that. Uh, I have a one-and-a-half-year-old little boy uh, that is like the Tasmanian devil and goes crazy, not in a bad way. He's just always into something, right? And then I've got um, a six-year-old little girl and an eight-year-old boy. Uh, it's an amazing ride. It's incredible. Don't let anybody ever uh, tell you different. Having kids is amazing and frustrating and incredible all at the same time, right? But I love my kids, right? And there's nothing that could keep me away from my kids. Like there's no, no, nothing that you could put between us that would keep me from them, from loving them, from caring for them, from protecting them, whatever that looks like, right? So there was one time recently, uh, my little one, my littlest, about a year and a half, Cullen, uh, he was taken off. We were at my in-law's pool, right? And he took off beeline towards the pool, right? And, and, and I'm sitting back and I'm reading a book and my wife has her phone in her hand and she's got a book or something in her hand and we both see him take off towards the pool. Now, I really don't think he was going to jump in, but he was heading that direction, right? And he don't know how to swim. And so all of a sudden I see my wife she throws the phone down. She throws the book down. I jump up. I throw my book on the ground. I jump over a little car that's sitting there, right? I'm going towards him to protect him and keep him out of the pool. Like, we're doing all this stuff. And, 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 and we got there, and we swoop him up. And, of course, he starts crying because he doesn't understand the danger. He doesn't understand what's going on. But we saw danger in front of him that he didn't understand. And there was no phone, no book, no car no pool. You could have put a Mack truck in between us and it wouldn't have kept us between him because we were going to get to our son 
to protect him from the dangers of what could take place if we didn't get there. I, I, I want to tell you, you may have a story like that with your children, right? Maybe you have a story like that of your parents doing that with you or grandkids or whatever. Listen, that's the same intensity. That's the same love. That's the same grace. That's the same protection that our Father God gives to us every single day of our lives. He has that same intensity. I know you may feel like you're just right in the middle of danger and he doesn't care about you. I'm here to tell you, he wants to jump over barriers. He wants to jump over cars, get, do whatever he's got to do to get to you and protect you from what's happening. I promise you, in the middle of the coronavirus, when everything's going on and it's uncertain and it's frustrating and all these mandates are coming down and this stuff is just weird, right? He loves you. And he has that same intensity and he has that same passion for you. If you, if you know the, the Easter story, then you know that Jesus was crucified for basically no reason. He was crucified to really fulfill prophecy, but in the court of law, there was nothing to crucify him for. He was crucified. He died. They wrapped him in grave clothes and they laid him in a tomb. And when they laid him in a tomb, they rolled a stone in front of it. The government said, roll a stone in front of it and put a seal on it. What the seal did is it said, this is now government property. And so the stone was there and there were guards in front. And then whenever people went to go pay respects to Jesus three days later, they went to go pay their respects to the, to the life of Jesus and who he was. When they got there, the st- it says the stone was rolled away and he wasn't in there. And I'm here to tell you that's not just a, a story in the Bible that's reality for us today, right? He's not in there. But what is the importance of the stone being rolled away? If he was Jesus and he was going to rise, he didn't need a stone. He could have just risen. He could have just floated. And the Bible says and he went and, and he defeated death, hell, and the grave. And he rose with the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And then he went to the Father. And he sits at the right hand of the Father and he intercedes for us, right? So what is the importance of the stone rolling away? Let me tell you this. The importance of that is it is symbolic that every barrier that separated him from us has now been rolled away and removed. And everything that you think can separate you from the love of God, from the grace of Jesus, from the forgiveness of our Savior, I'm here to tell you it has been rolled away. It's been removed and you now have access God in his extreme love, God in his extreme power, God in his intense passion for us sacrificed everything. He went to extreme measures to ensure that the separation and the barriers were removed. Well, what were those three extreme measures? What were they? There were three of them and they were all through Jesus. And I just want to tell you for just a few minutes today what those are. I don't have a crazy illustration and all this stuff because I believe I believe that the power of the Spirit of God is the illustration. I believe the forgiveness of Jesus is the power that we need. There's three things that God did to remove the barriers, and he did them through Jesus. And the first one is this. Jesus became man. Jesus became man in order to restore all mankind to love. He became man. He, he became us. Let, let's go and let's look at Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, in verses 5 through 8, says this. 
Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, right? Watch this. Who, although he existed in the form of God. So get this. Jesus was God. He did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. Watch this. But emptied himself taking the form of a bondservant and made in the likeness of men. So he was God. He was made in the likeness of man in the form of a bondservant. So a lowly position on the earth. Watch this. Last one, verse 8. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus became man. It says that he was God. He was the physical embodiment and representation of God himself on the earth. But he humbled himself. He didn't take a, a pride in going, I am God. He took pride. He humbled himself to go, I am a lowly bond servant of God. I am bound to him and I serve him in the appearance of man. Get that. He became man. He left heaven and he came to earth. He didn't use his position as God, as leverage. He used his humility as man. He left heaven and he came to earth. But why would he do that? Why would he do such a thing? And we'd said it earlier and I'm going to throw it back on the screen again. But Jesus became a man in order to restore all mankind back to love. Jesus had everything, yet he loved us so much that he wanted to become us so that he could restore us back to true love. You know, this Easter looks completely different for every single person on the planet, but I'm here to tell you something. Listen, maybe that's an okay thing. Because maybe now, instead of paying attention to our our Easter dresses and our portraits and all those things that are great and nothing wrong with it. Maybe now we can focus on the fact that Jesus restores all mankind back to intentional love. I, I, I love the fact that that is there. And he became man because he wanted to show something that only he can conquer all that we may go through. Watch this in Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 15, it says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize. In other words, we don't have someone over us as our Lord, as our Savior, as our Father, as our God. We don't have someone over us that cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. I know what we go through is difficult, but here's what the writer in Hebrews tells us to take, uh, 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 to take pride in and comfort in. That we don't have a high priest named our father that doesn't sympathize with us. He became man so that he could sympathize with you and with me. It says he has been tempted in all things just as we are. The root of everything that we're tempted by, he was tempted by. Yet. He conquered them without sin. Here's what Jesus wanted us to see. I became like you to show you that only I can conquer these things and you need me to do it. Jesus became man. Check out Luke chapter 1 verse uh, 37. It says, for nothing will be impossible with who? With God. 
Jesus became man in the form of God or in the, in the likeness of God. He was God in the form of man so that he could go everything you go through. I want you to know that I can conquer. And when you're with me, when you're with God, nothing will be impossible with God. Jesus became man to remove the barrier of separation between us and God. Number two, Jesus became sin to remove the barrier of separation with us and God. Jesus became man and Jesus became sin. Second Corinthians chapter five, verses 20 and 21 puts it very plainly and clearly. It says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through, we beg you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled by or, or be reconciled to God on behalf of Christ. In other words, in Christ, be reconciled to God. Verse 21 says this. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He had to become sin. Get this. Don't get this mixed up. Jesus was not sinful. Jesus took on our sin. Remember, we, we read earlier in Hebrews that he went through what we go through without sin, but he also became sin so that we didn't have to carry the sin. Sin separates us from a relationship from God. Jesus became sin to pay the invoice, to pay the check of our sin because he loves us and he wants to be with us. Have you ever, have you been, ever been out to eat, right? And you're there with another couple or you're there with someone else or whatever you're going through, right? And you get in an argument about who is going to pay the bill. One, one person reaches over and, and grabs the bill for the whole table, right? And you're like, no, 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 no. I'm going to pay mine. I'm going to pay mine. I'm going to do this. I can pay mine. It's, it's okay. The other person's like, no, I, I got this. And you have a tug of war, right? It gets awkward until you finally relent and somebody's like, all right, I got you next time or whatever it is, right? And then there's these moments when you're out to eat and someone pays for it. You don't realize they paid for it. You go to pay for it. And here's what the waitress says, right? The waitress or the hostess or whoever says this. Oh, you don't owe anything. You're good. Put, put your card back. Put your cash back, right? Put that back. And you don't owe a thing because it's already been paid for. So just enjoy your meal. It's already taken care of. Hear me. When Jesus became sin, he looks at us. And he says, no, 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 you don't owe anything. You don't owe anything. He, in fact, the only thing you owe is just you walk in life with me because you are reconciled to God through me. So the only thing I need you to do is just eat with me and live with me, have communion with me, have relationship with me, walk your life with me. If you do those things, it's, it's paid for. Put your card back, put your good works back, like do them, but don't do them to pay the bill because the bill's already been paid. I, I think Jesus would look at us and he'd say this, hey, listen, go live your life and have fun. Enjoy it. Walk in grace, walk in love, walk in goodness, walk in the Father. Enjoy your life 
because the bill has already been paid. Jesus became man so that he could relate, so that we could relate. Jesus became sin so that he could pay what we can't pay. He looked, when he was on that cross, he looked to his right and he saw a criminal. He looked to his left and he saw a criminal. And here's here's what he said. Because not only did he look to his left and his right and see a criminal, but he looked to down below and he saw people hurling stones and insults. He saw the ones that ripped his beard out and and beat the crown of thorns down on his head. He saw the one that jabbed his side with a spear and ripped his flesh with the cat of nine tails. Jesus looked down and Jesus makes a statement that is incredibly powerful. And he says this, Father, forgive them. In other words, God, what they did, they didn't know what they were doing. Father, forgive them for they know what, not what they do. God, they didn't know what they were doing. Give it to me. Give me the check. Give me the bill. I'll pay for it. They can't. They won't. They don't need to. I got this. I know it hurts. I know it's painful. They just don't get what they're doing, God. Let me pay for it. And I, I believe when he was on the cross and he was sin, he was my sin and your sin and he was our separation from God. He said, take this, nail it to two boards, use three nails, put it on the boards because I want to remove every barrier because I intensely and passionately love you and I want a relationship with you. Jesus said, I've got them in mind. Your face was on his mind when he was on that cross. And he removed that barrier. So Jesus became sin. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 3 says this. For I delivered to you. This is Paul talking to the church of Corinth. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Christ died for our sins. He died for you. He died for me. Our sins, our invoice, our check has been paid. We can walk in grace. We can walk. Listen, you don't have to be bound to the things of the past. You don't have to be bound to the things that hurt you, to the things that you did, to the things that separated you. Jesus becoming sin freed you to walk a life that you enjoy with the father. I love it. That's, that's Easter. So number one, Jesus became man. Number two, Jesus became sin. And number three, Jesus became victory. Jesus became victory. Look at Luke chapter 24, verses one through three. It says this, but on the first day of the week at early dawn, they came to the tomb bringing spices which they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Come on, somebody. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. He wasn't there. He wasn't there. He's still not there. Jesus became victory. When the stone rolled away, he removed anything that could separate us. The Bible says that the enemy, he roars or he um, walks the earth seeking whom he may devour. I'm here to tell you there's an enemy 
that is looking for me and for you at our weakest points so that he can try to devour us. But I'm here to tell you something. When the stone rolled away, when he, when he removed the separations and he removed the barrier, I'm here to tell you something. We're going to look at it this way. Jesus became victory so nothing could have victory over us. I don't care how loud the enemy roars. I don't care if he sneaks up behind me. There is no victory he can have because Jesus rose three days later off out of the grave and he showed his wounds to his believers, to his followers, to his disciples to say, I have the final word. It is finished. I want you to hear me today. Jesus became man because he loves you. Jesus became sin to pay for you and pay for me. But Jesus became victory because we are victorious in the freedom of God. The Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I'm just here to tell you today, wherever you are, whatever you go through, whatever's happening in your life, however stressed out you may be, victory through Jesus is ours. When the stone rolled away, it coincides a lot with It's not going to come on the screen, but Matthew chapter 27, verse 51. Something strategic and interesting that takes place in that moment. And it says that in that moment in 27 and 51, when Jesus breathed his last, it says the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom. It was torn in half. Why is that important? Because the veil was the thing that that separated the common person from the holy place of God in the temple. Only the holiest and highest priests could go in there once a year after certain sacrifices. Hear me today. When that veil was torn, it was a foreshadow of the stone being rolled away and everything now becomes available to you and to me because he overcame the barriers that separated us. Why? Because he loves us. Because he loves you. And he loves me. And I wish I could sit here today and I could tell you the solution to everything in your life. The only thing I can tell you is, is that Jesus is there. God loves you and the spirit empowers you. And that's all we need to rely on because God's got it under control. Jesus became man. Jesus became sin. And Jesus became victory. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 in closing says this. Therefore, brethren or brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. What did I just tell you the holy place was? The throne of God. It's where God rested in the temple. But when the veil was torn, now anybody could enter. How was the veil torn? Through the sacrifice of Jesus How do we have access through the blood of Jesus and through the resurrection of his life? I'm just here to tell you today, listen, I understand that that maybe things in your life have caused you to think that you don't have access. It says says we have a confidence. That means that I can bow my chest out and hold my head high and I can enter the place that used to be restricted to me. How can I enter that place? Through the blood of Jesus, through the resurrection of his body and through the grace of my God. I know I've done some things in my life that probably 
that should have disqualified me from the holy place. But through the blood of Jesus, through the love of my Father, through the removal of the barriers of separation, I now have access to confidently enter the holy place through the blood of Jesus. As I want to tell you today, listen to me. On your couch, in your recliner, with your fruity pebbles, with your cup of coffee, whatever it is, I want to tell you this, you can enter the holy place where you are through Jesus. Every bit of this, every bit of Easter. And you listen, we, we think that this past week was difficult for us. It was. <coughs> Guess who else it was difficult for? Jesus. When he walked, when he was accused, when he was beaten, when he was crucified, when he was buried, and then when he rose again. But hear me, the difficult season that he went through brought the greatest victory you and I could ever have. He rose, it says, with the keys to death, hell, and the grave. I want to tell you something today. Wherever you are, if you haven't prayed the prayer of salvation and given Jesus your life, and haven't said, yes, God, through the sacrifice of Jesus, I'll confess with my mouth and believe with my heart that Jesus is Lord, that God is my Father. I give him everything. I'm here to tell you today, he's got his arms open wide, and he's begging you, come to me this Easter. And if, you, if you've given your life to Jesus and you live your life for him, here's what he ha has his arms open wide going, embrace me, embrace my character, and embrace who and what I'm about. Embrace me this Easter. So here's what I'd love to do. I'd love to pray with you. If you want to pray that prayer of salvation, I'd love to pray with you right now. And I want you to repeat after me out loud, right in your living room, right where you are. And we're going to pray this prayer together. And we're going to watch people. We're going to know and believe in faith that people are walking into the kingdom of God through a video on Easter Sunday, 2020. Come on, bow your heads, pray with me. If you're ready to pray that prayer and give your life to Jesus, repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I thank you for the sacrifice of your life. Forgive me of who I've been. Forgive me of any barrier I've put up. Thank you for becoming man. Thank you for crucifying my sin. And thank you for becoming my victory. I give you my life. I walk with you. I won't be perfect, but I'll follow you with all I have. Thank you for welcoming me into the family of God today. Church, I don't know about you, but I know there's some people out there that prayed that prayer and they gave their lives and their hearts to Jesus today. So right where you are, if you put your hands together and shout and make some noise on Easter Sunday for people that walked into the kingdom of God and the family of God this morning. Amen. Come on, somebody. If you prayed that prayer, there's going to be a link that's going to pop up in the chat box. I'd love for you to click that link. It's going to take you to a place where we get a little bit of information for you. We're going to give you some resources because we want to walk this journey of faith with you. I'm excited to do that. Now, if you'll continue watching this, I want you to do something. Over the week, you uh, were asked to either purchase some confetti poppers or make your own. 
Now is the time to get those things and get ready because we're about to celebrate because I don't know about you, but it jacks me up, man. It makes me excited that in the one of the most uncertain times in American history, in the history of the world, we get to celebrate a, cer a certain fact that Jesus is no longer in the tomb and he has defeated death, hell and the grave. He loves us and he's with us. So get those confetti poppers together on the count of three. We're going to shoot confetti. We're going to have a blast. We're going to shout. I want your neighbors to hear it across the street and next to you. Shout, scream, celebrate. Let's celebrate Jesus together. One, two, three. Woo! Come on, somebody. Thank you, Jesus. Woo! Yeah! He is risen! I want to pray with you real quick, and then I'm excited to get back and, and be with you next Sunday as we start a new series called The Lies We've Been Told. It's going to be awesome. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for the resurrection of your son, Jesus, the forgiveness of our sins. Thank you that we get to celebrate today. No matter what, we love you. We give you all that we have. Let us go out and make a difference in this world. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, church, let's go change the world. Woo! I love you guys. I'll see you next Sunday.